a special reserve just for these sort of occasions. Did you say you have a special Red Bull reserve? I do have a special Red Bull reserve. Excellent. For emergencies only. Emergencies. What's the emergency today? I I feel like a little migraine coming on. So I'm going to blast it with some caffeine. Every time I see Red Bull, I think about The Office when Ryan becomes everyone's boss and Creed and Michael are worried that they're going to fire everyone like over a certain age. So Creed dyes his hair black and goes and asks Ryan if they could put Red Bull in the vending machines. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Mm, Nothing says youth like Red Bull. Yeah. Keeps you young, I guess. I do have a friend who's a pretty fit guy and drank a lot of drinks a lot of monster and had some like went to the hospital or went to the doctor because he's having like weird heart feelings. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's gotta be these drinks, man. It has to be, yeah. Yeah. And people are always saying, Oh, you know, it's it's just got a bunch of vitamins in it and it's vitamin B twelve and and stuff that are super healthy. And I was thinking, oh, I don't think that's true. Yes, and it's got a bunch of other Yeah, if you're pounding back monsters. Like daily, like one at lunch, you know, one in the morning on the way, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He he does the Monster Zero in the white can. Is that it's, supposed to be better? It's his favorite drink. Well, it's, it's just calorie free. Okay. Nick but used to it's, drink. It's worse for you. Monster, I thought too. That y'all remember that? Right. Nick, yeah. I haven't talked okay. to him this year. Is he, y'all talk to him? Is he doing Yeah, right? he's doing good. The, the nerd subculture really loves energy drinks. I mean, from back in the day, like Jolt Cola, uh, Balls. <clears throat> B-A-W-L-S. Yeah. I remember that. You used to be able to buy it by the case at Fry's Electronics. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You buy you buy your graphics card, your eight megabyte graphics card. So you can go to your friend's land party. Yeah. Oh, man. Those do were simpler re- times, Igor. Yeah, do y'all remember land parties? Yeah. yeah. Did y'all ever do that? I had yeah, a man. whole, like, kit. So it could wow. have some, a handle situation on, on, the, on the tower and a, and a big, like, plastic bin with all the search protectors and networking and cables and stuff that you would need. So it was like, bring that in and it's a party. What I remember about land parties is the odor. It was by far the worst part of the land party. <laughs> Man, you're making it sound much worse than it was. <laughs> or worse I can, than I remember. I've, I've never been to a land party. They had them in, uh, I just remember they happened in college, like in the Jester dormitory at the University of Texas at Austin. And I'd walk by and be like, what are those people doing? It's like, oh, it's yeah. a land You'd party. You'd smell it before oh. you see it, Charles. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. The Jester Dormitory, I mean, I love it. It had its own odor that mm-hmm. permeated everything. Mm-hmm. So it probably covered up the... Whatever land party oh, smell. The land party smell. Yeah. 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 Unreal Tournament. Quake. Yeah. Uh, early days of Counter-Strike. Not yes. Counter-Strike Go. Uh, those those are sort of the the go tos, and then it slowly transitioned into World of Warcraft. And then you didn't need to be in the same room. That's right anymore. Yeah, and then the land parties died. Now we're together alone. Mm. That's right. Just like now, it prepared us for the pandemic. You stopped to record podcasts together too. I think. Thanks, World of Warcraft. Yeah, <laughs> jerks. Speaking of colossal wastes of time, did y'all know that today? Not the day that we're recording this, but the day that we're releasing it. it the year 2021 is 10% over. We've wasted that 10%, Robert. I'm saying it's real easy to get to 10% through a, a goal period. We talk about New Year's resolutions and annual planning and stuff like that. We're 10% done, and we're still talking about how much 2020 sucks. And 
I think it's really hard to get started on goals. And if you're not careful, you look up one day and, and 10% of your runway is gone. There's a lot of distraction. Several weeks ago, there was a bare-chested man with a Viking helmet in charge of our U.S. Capitol. This week, Did Reddit... you have goals that were related to... Well, I'm just saying Reddit has turned on Wall Street. And so there's just, there's a lot of distractions. I hadn't planned any of those things, but they are distracting from getting stuff done, right? Because you're being bombarded with pretty sensational things. But then weren't you distracted when people leave the royal family or when there's a Super Bowl? Like there's always some kind of global event you know, capturing our time and attention, distracting us. Yeah. Is this <laughs> that, year really, any, is it any different? I mean, the, the severity of, you know, you can say things like we've never had something like X done before, but is it really, is it, did that really impact your ability over the last, you know, 36 days or whatever to meet your goals, to move your goals forward? Well, Robert, when you put it that way, I'm going to say no. It's not, should, it's not any You should different. be pre-migraine much no, more often, it's, man. It's not any different, Robert. Oh, I don't know. There is a, there is a spectacle. There, there's a, it's a, there's a massive train wreck constantly outside your window, and it's real easy to go over to the window and, and watch the fire burn. Like I, yeah, I see what you're saying there. You know, just tying this to the, you know, our last episode where we talked about, you know, we answered some questions. You know, one of them was, what book would you recommend to be a more successful leader? And I threw out something like, read old books that have stood the test of time. Um, here's a good. A good example of why, because I agree with you, Robert, that the distractions that we face now are really no different than we faced last year. And if you were to read something like um, some of the Buddha's teachings, like I have, because I'm a fan of meditation and I've read some of those things, um, they they talk about being distracted thousands of years ago when it was still an agrarian society. You know, they didn't have technology, they didn't have phones, they didn't have social media. You couldn't know what was happening across the world. And yet, when you read the meditation instruction that was written thousands of years ago, it talks about how our minds are so distractible. Like, we get distracted so easy based off of whatever stimuli is coming in. And so that is a part of the human condition. And even though it feels new, and maybe it is a little more spectacular, I'll give you that. Um, yeah, it really boils down to our ability to focus. And losing focus will surely make us miss our goals. And so. And I mean, just a, a more recent example, but still one from a long time ago, 1932, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World. I think we've talked about that over in-person coffee before. Mm -hmm. You know, he made the argument. It's like you're distracting yourselves to death, right? There's always, it's not the Orwellian you know, fist of, of oppression that's coming down from above that, that will deprive you. It's the endless noise and ability to distract oneself in any way they prefer that is going to be the downfall of society, according to Huxley, right? Mm. And it's real interesting to think about, like, the sensationalism, just like you said, people are talk talking about finding ways to be distracted eons ago. We just have our own special flavor of it. But technology has turned that into a distraction at scale, at internet speed kind of thing. And so I don't think that our brains have like caught up to that yet either. And so maybe we're, maybe we have it harder than our ancestors. But the point is, and 
Igor, I think it's very clear. Distractions keep you from achieving your goals. There's There's also two key forces working against us, right? So first, we're frequently late to the game defining goals. I mean, how many organizations have you worked for where you're halfway through the quarter and then your quarterly goals come out and you're sort of like retroactively supposed to meet them, but you've lost half your time. So we're a little bit late in defining our goals. And then second, we get a late start once we know them. It's too easy to start in January with a holiday hangover. You can spend sort of the first couple of weeks catching up. Before you know it, you've lost 10% of your runway and you start to pepper in all these little easy distracting things, you know, checking on your GameStop stock throughout the day, complaining about Slack being down. We transitioned peacefully to another president on inauguration day. Vaccines are being rolled out. Like you start to see though, it, there are these things repeat. If you look at newspaper clippings from the Spanish flu, there people are saying the same kind of things that we're saying now on Twitter. They were just saying them in the newspaper, miracle cures and don't trust this and sensationalized things, right? These are all distractions that keep you from from doing your best work. So maybe we can do a little bit of a goal check-in today and talk about how we're stacking up on our goals. We We committed to doing that earlier and maybe talk through some strategies and tactics to overcome distractions because a lot of these hurt like these are these are painful depressing things going on around us and i think that that's something that needs to be acknowledged and and sort of worked through as well what do y'all think about that i i like that plan do you mind if we dig in a little bit on distraction just just for a little more Is i would love okay? to it distracts from <laughs> distracts what from I our goal i'm talking about so <laughs> of, let's do of it completing our agenda today yeah there um, we go Perfect. Just a couple of things, and this is this is something that uh, Charles's comment about those texts that we recommended made me think of. And you may want to think of these things on a spectrum or some sort of polarity. You know, the texts that I recommended were really old, and they're useful because they withstood the test of time. And if we think about the other end of the spectrum, as far as what we're consuming, um, it's tweets. Uh, current news, like that sort of stuff. And so, it, you know, a lot of that stuff is like waste material because it won't stand the test of time, right? It's, it's fleeting and probably generally won't teach you anything and is meaningless and for the most part is there to distract you and to, um, you know, make media companies money, if I'm being quite cynical about it. On the other hand, though, maybe I'll recommend another book called Indistractable by Nariel. So I'm a big fan, big fan of Nier. He's, uh, you know, he's written some hits. The first book that I read from, from Nier was um, Hooked. And in fact, Hooked is, is, you know, one of the premises behind some of the things that we discuss on social media and so on, right? And so it makes sense that he would have a follow-up book called Indistractable. But there is like an evolutionary benefit to distraction. And, you know, it, it doesn't exist because it's just bad. At one point, I guess distraction was there to help alert us to danger. You know, being keenly aware of even slight changes in our environment was important for us to be able to react to those changes because a lot of of times those changes had mortal effects. But also those distractions create opportunities. It's, It's in the same way that sometimes attention deficit disorder is good because it allows you to create more dots, you know, make more connections think more um, in more novel ways. So I think the secret is controlling your distractibility, like being being in control when you want to allow yourself to be distracted and to allow extra stimulus in 
And when you don't want to allow distractions in because you need to focus and you need to make material progress on on the goals that you set for yourself and your team. Yeah, for me, and I've seen recommendations around this, but I think a lot of that has to do with deleting things out of your life or, or making it a little bit harder to engage in distract, distracting behaviors. So there's there are these infinity pool apps, right? Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. They just constantly bombard you with content. It never runs out. And so it's just an infinite pool, infinity pool of distraction. Is, is that from the and Cal so Newport can, stuff, Robert? Digital min- minimalism. Mm. Yep. And so you have a couple of options there. One, you know, for if we're talking, this is an episode about meeting your goals. The most optimal way to meet your goals is to delete all of the infinity pools. I don't know how realistic that is, really. But if you have a tablet and a phone, maybe you take it off your phone, you leave it on your tablet, and you use you try to use that during a certain time in the day, or at least if you're in a meeting at work or something, you're not just popping out your phone, scrolling it, that kind of thing. And so I think there are optimizations or tweaks you can make to really help ramp down total hours distracted per year. And maybe in this case, it would be helpful to do the math, right? We talked about in Vitality, measuring what you eat. And if you take a step back and you're like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea I consumed so much. Maybe I can make some adjustments and these things I don't even like. I don't even like them. I just did it on autopilot. Maybe there's sort of a distraction math you could do where, you know, you check your phone when you wake up, right before you go to bed, you browse a bunch of stuff at lunch before you know it. And you could check if you have an iPhone, there's screen time built in. Maybe check on your last week on how many infinity pool apps, how many hours you spent on those. You could make up work weeks every year if you reduced or eliminated those apps. I, I love it. I've, I've done kind of a little audit before around how much screen time I use per app, either on my phone or on the computer, and it was pretty enlightening. Um, do you remember specific numbers? I don't, know because I, I had already done a pretty good job of trying to shut things down. Like, I'm, I'm not on social media, so it's that that was the the biggest thing that pulled. What did you call it? Infinity pool? Or what? Yeah, have, have you seen, an in, you know, the, the infinity pool, like the architectural, yeah, yeah. like if someone has, like they're by the mm-hmm. ocean and it looks like the pool mm-hmm. just goes mm-hmm. into the yeah, ocean yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah, so it's like th- that analogy applied to distracting I apps see. because some of them just like you never run out of content. There's the interplay between the human and the technology. Is that really what's what's happening here? And I remember hearing somebody say on a podcast something really beautiful. It's like transformational technology, when it's first adopted, tends to exploit human vulnerabilities before it ends up doing really great things for humanity. And I think that really applies here. I, I think technology is exploiting this human vulnerability and weakness of being easily distracted. The distraction is not, it is not the phone or the little ding or the little icon updating. It is all in our mind. And that's where one of the reasons why I'm a a fan of meditation, because you see, you get to see so clearly how within the span of a single breath, you get distracted dozens of times in the span of a minute. And so often we just don't realize it. You know, we're, we're on autopilot. Yeah, if, you're, you know? if you're extending that analogy, though, if you're the lab rat trying to meditate, social media, like have so much, these companies have so much data now that on aggregate, they know how to poke your brain the right way to force a distraction. So I do think in the same way, 
the like tools help provide leverage for a task. The ability for other external forces to distract us has the leverage of our best and brightest minds building the most advanced technology on the planet. And so we are we're at much more of a disadvantage now because we have, we have not caught up just to your point eons and eons ago, right? You're still just as easily distractible. We haven't changed that much, but the technology curve has has made it much easier to distract us. Hey, just real quick, I looked up so review42.com says in 2017, the average person spends 135 minutes a day on social media. That's 2.25 hours. That's 821 hours per year. Now, if that's half wrong, maybe that's way too much, two hours. That's still 400 hours per year. That's like, what, 10 weeks that you could get back? If you cut your social media usage in half, you've saved five work weeks. Like, think of what you could get done. You know, five work weeks is 10% roughly of, of your year, right? So the distraction piece, Igor, that you talked about at the beginning, that comes into play. Like, there, a lot of your runway gets eroded away in not only the time you spend being distracted by these infinity pool apps or whatever, Charles, to your point, it doesn't have to be technology, any distraction. And then the context switching cost it takes to get back on doing something productive. So, I mean, it could be even be much worse than the the 2.25 hours a day if you find yourself switching and, and stuff like that. And that was a few years ago, right? Four years ago. I have to believe that if the social media trend was increasing year over year up to 2017, that seems like it's an obvious conclusion that it's continued to happen until now. So it's probably even worse. But even if I'm half wrong or review 42 is half wrong and you cut your social media usage in half, that's a lot of time you can make up every year. What is what is y'all's biggest infinity pool, like source of distraction? I, I, I'll go first, if that's okay, if we can talk about that. Yeah. I, I'm not on social media and yet I still feel that pull and it is uh, email. Like I, I even turn off all new email notifications on Gmail and Outlook because those are the ones I use. And uh, and and so I think it even goes beyond social media because I don't have it. And yet, oftentimes the first thing I do when I wake up while I'm drinking coffee is I, I look at my emails. And you know, I don't feel like it's unhealthy, but I also don't feel like that's super productive. And so. To me, it's like I'm I'm constantly having to uh, unsubscribe from newsletters that I don't really read anymore, or that I don't really find value anymore. There's this constant pruning of like sources of inputs that are around me that I I have to really be mindful of. Otherwise, yeah, it just becomes this never-ending onslaught. And, and I I am very vigorous and aggressive with unsubscribing from emails. To this day, I still get emails where it's like, where the heck did this come from? Like, I don't remember signing up for this, you know? And so, so there's, uh, it is a constant flow and stream of distractions that, that um, I actively try to manage. And I, I feel like at times I'm winning. And then I feel like at times I'm losing. And I'll tell you the interesting thing. If I don't have a lot of emails, I'm like, oh, maybe I should go subscribe to some new newsletters. Maybe I need to consume more. And so... I guess now that I talk through it, probably my infinity pool is this this uh, belief that I need to and I want to consume information. That's so interesting. You spent a very intentional amount of energy and effort deleting social media out of your life 
and you have recreated that yeah. in your email yeah. inbox yeah. through yeah. newsletters. Yeah. And then your equivalent of pulling down to refresh is going and mm -hmm. subscribing to yeah. more newsletters. That's yeah. interesting. It's really not those newsletters. It's not really social media. It's my mind. It's like my craving for, ooh, I want to read up on smart cities or I want to read up on what this person is writing because their blog is really interesting. It's like a, it's this need to consume for whatever reason that that triggers the behavior for more, 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 right? As opposed to, you know what? I'm okay. Like I'm okay with what I have. That That's, I think for me at the core of what, you know, the mind is the infinity pool. It's like, I feel like I need more information and I don't think I really do. For me, the distractions have evolved over the years, which I guess makes sense. High school, college, early career was definitely video games, first person shooters, online games, those kind of things, whatever evolved from land parties like we were discussing earlier. Uh, now, it, I think I, I am in a similar vein as you, Charles. It, it's kind of like the the Reddit. I've been obsessed with this GameStop thing happening, reading about the strings that are being pulled behind the scenes and what does Reddit say about it? What's on Wall Street Journal? You know, those kind of things. So I'll sort of like overconsume on a topic and just kind of refresh throughout the day and I'll find myself getting distracted. Like, oh man, I wonder, I wonder what GameStop's doing right now. You know, same thing when Slack was out or whatever. You just sort of like get, you get really this gravitational pull towards whatever global event is happening. Like Igor mentioned earlier, I would say is my distraction now. And then YouTube, I, I like podcasts and stuff. I prefer to sort of watch at times and and then that can, you can, you know, you want to learn something about audio engineering or chess or whatever. And then the little recommendations in the side, like that same person played chess with someone famous. And then you click that and now it's their talk show. And you very quickly get into these sensationalist things, but you're slowly led there. And if you, if you're not careful, you know, you, you went to YouTube to learn something for free. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're in some you know, weird, weird angle of the internet. There, there is a way to mindfully consume social media and videos and newsletters like that. That's, I think that is. Well, I disagree on the social media mm, one, yeah. but videos and newsletters. Yeah, I think. And Tristan Harris has a documentary, The Social Dilemma, around this. The algorithms that these companies are building have gotten stronger than our weaknesses, we worry about the singularity, right, which I'm personally not a believer in. When automated intelligence, computer intelligence gets stronger than our strengths, then we have to kind of wonder what's going to happen to us as humans. I don't know about all that, but they've certainly gotten stronger than our weaknesses, so they know how to poke us the right way. If they show you something blue, Charles, it'll have a different effect than if they show me the same feed with something red, and it's all just a law of large numbers game. I, I think you're playing with fire the more you engage with, with some of these more nefarious uh, social media companies that their whole business model is basically built on keeping your eyes distracted on their platform. Yeah, I that that's why I don't I don't have social media on my phone because yeah I don't think I'm strong enough to resist that. I I was looking up some stats completely unrelated. We weren't talking about this, but there's a maybe like a billion um, viewers of YouTube a year, something like that like a billion different people that, that watch YouTube videos. And uh, I pay for YouTube premium, so I don't see ads. I don't know if y'all pay for that or not, but yeah. yeah. same. And yep. I, I was curious, oh, what percentage of the population would pay for that? 
right, to get rid of advertisements, 1%, 1%, only 1%. I already paid for YouTube music. It's like 10 bucks a month or something like that. So I can play songs for the kids. Um, YouTube premium was like three extra dollars a month. And it got rid of those ads. And, and I know people who make three times as much as I do, who refuse to pay that, and they continue to subject themselves to advertisements. And that's just baffling to me. I wish there was a paid version of Facebook, right, where you can not get the algorithm treatment, and you can just get what you want. But that, but that's not their business model. Right? To your point, that's why would they do that? Right. That That's actually a big recommendation of the group that's talking about some of the dangers of social media. And it's not really regulated. So, you know, Saturday morning cartoons used to be a thing. It was illegal for TV stations to play certain types of commercials during that time because they knew that kids were watching. There's no such regulation to go and prohibit social media companies from advertising to uh, teenage girls at 2 a.m., capitalizing on loneliness and depression. So basically monetizing those emotions with nothing to to control it. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty nefarious. And that, again, you're up at 2 a.m. looking at YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or TikTok. You're not getting making any kind of progress towards your goals and you're diminishing your ability to to do that tomorrow. I'm what about you, Igor? What's, what's so distracting in, in your life now that we've gone down this distraction <laughs> rabbit hole? Thank you. Uh, YouTube is is basically unwatchable with the advertising. I so sometimes I'll go over to like my family's house or whatever and they'll have their YouTube on and they don't pay for YouTube premium. And I I basically just want to leave. Absolutely. One hundred percent. That that's gotta be an anomaly then, right? If only one percent of the, you know, viewers watch it, all three of us. Well, it depends. We mostly go to YouTube. At least our original intention when we enter the platform is to learn something. So you wanna see like free tutorials or whatever. You can learn a lot for free on YouTube, which is great. Like, that's a great service. But I think if you're just going to watch music videos or be entertained and w watch fail videos, that kind of thing, uh, or if you're a kid, like, right, your parents probably might not want to pay for it. I think in, in those kind of situations, most people probably don't. And then you're even, yeah, doubles your distraction. My, my infinity pool has really changed in the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, my infinity pool, um, I use an app called Pocket which helps you save articles and stuff like that from the web. And for several years, I would get a letter from Pocket where they would say, hey, you're like in the top 1% or top 5% of our readers, like as far as words saved. And, you know, that was probably indicative of a problem because that's my infinity pool. Like I would go to this, the Discover page and I would just read articles. And a lot of times as I read that article, there's interesting related articles that are linked that are not even on the pocket platform. And I'd dive into those. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't understand this particular phenomenon. I'm going to Wikipedia that. And so maybe it's not an infinity pool, but it's like a rabbit hole. And so that was pre-pandemic, that was the worst. We, we all have the same information consumption entertainment problem. It just, Charles uses his inbox like I, I have, I use Reddit yeah. and you use Pocket. It's the same I, problem, same root problem. I 100% That's really agree. interesting. And during the pandemic, it's been YouTube. And Robert, it did start as I go to YouTube to learn things, but that is no longer the case. I now watch, you know, like reaction videos 
I like the Expanse TV show. And so there's people who react to the episodes when they talk about, they do like an analysis um, of the episode. There was a time during the pandemic where I was just watching this guy from, I think he was from Tennessee or Kentucky or something like that. But he would just cut wood. Like he would cut down trees and then he would process the trees into planks. And I would watch him. That's a really like satisfying oh, yeah. thing to watch someone like <laughs> deep and enthralled in their craft. Amazing. Yeah, like you, it sounds silly, but I, I I know what you're talking about. It's like really interesting, especially if you know nothing about, you it's, know, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, very strangely, YouTube has become my go-to infinity pool, just like YouTube, just like they just intended. Like they in- All right, so I want to recurse out of this distraction <laughs> around distractions. Like I think we've really gone into, and and I think it's helpful too. It's like nobody's immune. Like we're all humans. These things have us beat. The best thing you can do is limit your exposure or delete, especially the one, whatever the one app is that really kind of crushes your productivity. Maybe just start there. Cal Newport has a great book. We, we just mentioned him, Digital Minimalism. He also has another great one, Deep Work. Those two sort of make the case from a productivity standpoint, how to manage those things in your life. And so definitely would recommend going down those directions or what was the book you recommended? Yep, you were indistractable, indistractable by Nir Eyal. And I, I would highly recommend look at meditation to strengthen your focus and, and indistractability. Yeah. That's yeah. the muscle. The, the, the book teaches you the mm. mindset. You're the practice, really yeah. about the, the practice, like the building the muscle to be able to do it, not just to learn about it. Yes. So there you go. I mean, there's a, there's a recommendation in there for everybody. <laughs> so, Pivoting a little bit, we're 10% through the year. Are y'all 10% through your goals? Have you have you gotten 10% progress made on your goals that you've set for the year? You know, I'm just asking myself, it's like, huh, do I feel like I've made good progress against goals in 30 days, 30 days or so? And my my general feeling is positive to that. And so I would say yes, but I also, I, I, don't, I don't know if I consciously did this or not. I deliberately left January open because I knew it would be crazy coming back from the holidays, and it certainly has been. And in February, my calendar is already set up to be even more focused on my goals. And so I'm actually really excited about that because I've had way more distractions because I didn't, I wasn't intentional about blocking my time in January. Um, but I know in February I have time blocked off to focus on goals and man, I'm ready to go. So I'm, this is probably the best that I've ever been in terms of focused on goals in my entire life. And so this, this is certainly an anomaly, certainly an anomaly. I'm not this, I'm not always this good, um, but I'm feeling really good about my goals. I feel better about my goals this year than I feel like I deserve to because Charles, and you know this, we had a couple of things work-wise fall into our laps early in the year. And had that not happened, I probably, I know I would not be feeling as good as I am right now. I don't think I'm 10% through. I I haven't put enough intentionality in January around meeting those goals, but I have responded to things that went my way. And so for 2021 is off to a pretty good start because of that. And when I think about one of the recommendations I want to make out of this is on your calendar right now, pause the episode if you have to, open it up, and in December of this year, block out some time to plan for 2022. Because things tend to fill in around your calendar, but if something's already on there, 
you have much less likely of a chance it'll get stepped on. So block block maybe double the time you think you need on two different weeks. And that way you can go in the end of 2021, you have time built out, you can start to plan 2022 and hit the ground running in January. And you're going to really like start, you get a head start on the race. And two weeks in, you're on mile marker number two, and everyone else is still kind of hanging out, drinking hot chocolate by the start line, right? And so that that's kind of one really practical thing. We've talked about a lot of books and ideas and thoughts, but go block that time right now. And I think you'll you'll be in a good spot at the beginning of 2022 to say, hey, when 2022 is 10% over, February 8th or whatever day it is, you'll feel really good about where you're at. And I think that's a good start. Can I take that one step further, Robert? I, I love it because I, yes, I have that. Like annually on my Google calendar, I block a whole week, week between Christmas and New Year's for year in review and goal setting. Um, the other thing that I do is I set quarterly reviews for myself. So it is you know, four days throughout the year. It is on a work day. So this is not something that you do on the weekend. Like take time off and reassess like your goals and your progress in the prior quarter, look ahead to the next quarter. Those two things, I think it's what I've been putting in place over the past few years, which is probably why I'm so focused with my goals right now. And and what you've done is you've created Mm. an idea of a waypoint, right? You're on a journey, which is a year long. If you're flying in a plane, if you're sailing in a boat, driving in a car, point A to point B, you're never on target. You're never 100% on track. You're always drifting. And so this allows you to take a take a beat, reassess. We talked about the portfolio view of life and in Permaview. There's there's always something that's lagging behind and something that you're doing really good at. That's just human nature. It gives you a chance to sort of readjust. We did that together on this podcast when we did the Permaview series. And I tell you what, like my my exercise went way up. I was just looking at my app. I closed my exercise ring in January that's 20 awesome, times, man. and in December. Like zero. Like it might have been two, like on accident. That's because we had these conversations. And, you know, for me, we talked about distractions, YouTube, things like that. I get on the treadmill, put a weighted vest on, and just watch something mindless to be entertained for a little bit. And that works for me. My wife, Diana, she likes to go on long runs and just kind of clear her mind. That's what's good for her. Whatever works, closing the ring, though, was what was important for me. And my goal was to do it every day. Didn't meet that goal, but sure as heck a lot better than than it was last year. And so I think these sort of waypoints and adjustments, however you do them, really help in the long term. And I'll share one quote really quick from my favorite chef, Gordon Ramsay. He said this on Hell's Kitchen a lot. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. The year's 10% over. The good news is you have 90% left. It's probably a really good time right now to take a step back, create one of those waypoints. You don't have to wait until the end of the quarter. Determine what's important, make some adjustments. We have a bunch of podcasts for that. You can just go back and look at our Permav series and and take a few steps forward. And it won't be perfect, but again, it's how you end. And so I think you you still have a lot of lot of time and space to meet your 2021 goals, but your run your runway is 10% shorter. And so you gotta pick up the pace if you're behind where you want to be. Robert, would you say if, if you don't listen to those podcasts, you're highly unlikely to meet your goals this year? <laughs> I would love to, but no. You might, you might be it. worse off if you listen to them. <laughs> we don't have any data to support it either way. So we certainly appreciate it. Yes. Please like and subscribe and leave comments below. Yes. Reach out anytime. Hello at com.
the the waypoints thing I really like, Robert, because inevitably we will fall off track. We will more than drift. We will just crash and burn. And when when I have done that in the past, it's always been really hard to start again. And so these quarterly waypoints for me, it's a time to kind of interrupt that pattern. Whether I'm working really hard and being successful towards a goal, or I haven't made any progress over the past two and a half months, I can take that time to reevaluate where I've been, where I want to go, and begin anew. And so I love that idea of waypoints. Thanks for that. Awesome. I wish I came up with it, but I got that advice from a guy named Dan I really, really, really admire, who will probably never listen to this, but Dan, if you're listening, thank you. Appreciate you, man. I, I would say that I'm behind. If we're 10% through the year, I would say I'm only about 5% into the goal. But I also think that's a good thing knowing myself because I, I tend to have two modalities that I work in. And it kind of relates to the Gordon Ramsay quote that Robert shared. If I start super hot, I tend to fizzle out and not finish. But if I ramp into it consistently, I tend to have an acceleration slope. And so it makes sense for me to be slightly behind at the beginning. Eventually, there'll be a break-even point. And so um, for me, I think it's good that I'm actually behind. And not everybody works that way, obviously. You know, some people have more of a constant performance. Some people really like to start super energetic because that that gets them a leg up and that encourages them and they get it done. Um, but, but knowing myself, I, I feel pretty good. I wouldn't feel good if I hadn't started. If I was at zero instead of 5%, then uh, something would be wrong and I'd have to really evaluate what's going on. But the, the slow ramp for me, uh, probably a good sign. Man, you've hit on something so key around knowing yourself. So in the past, I mean, Robert, five years ago, might have just called BS on that and said, you're just making excuses for not being far enough along in your goals. I think, though, it's really helpful to know how you're wired and your tendencies. You know, in golf, I hit a fade. So when I hit the ball, it kind of goes to the right, whether I wanted to or not. And so I should just aim more to the left because there's nothing like I don't really know how I can fix that at, at this point in my life like I've tried. And so you got to aim aim the correct way. I think you know you knowing that about yourself, you can bake that intentionally into your plan and if it's intentional, then that's great. If you if you delude yourself into thinking you you won't it'll be different this time or you don't know that about yourself, that can cause problems down the road. If you're on a diet, maybe eating a piece of cheesecake's okay as long as it's intentional. I think for you that's really insightful. That's a good thing to know about yourself. And that will help exponentially increase the probability that you'll be successful in your goals. It's from a, like a lifetime of introspection. And only lately have I started to understand myself in a way that's helpful to me. I think a lot of previous years, I would be surprised if I didn't meet my goals and be like, oh, what happened? Um, but as I, as I look back, I started to understand and, and see patterns. And so that's, that's where we're at. Any closing thoughts? We gave a lot of resources, went deep on distraction, got distracted on distraction, which I love. There are things you can do to make incremental progress. You can't, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be able to get where you're, you're, you need to go in one major step. It's just a bunch of little decisions that start today. And so I think this is a good time to think about a waypoint. Hopefully some of these resources, materials we've recommended are helpful and uh, we're going to 
start next week with a brand new series. So any closing thoughts for either of you guys? Suggestion to people is that if you fail in your goals in the first 10% or throughout the year or whatever, just give yourself a break. Like don't, don't beat yourself up about it. That's, that's, uh, that's about the worst thing that you can do, you know, because it's, yeah, I'm not going to hit all my goals this year. I know it. And that's, that's okay. I mean, I designed my goals in a way to stretch me. And I know that that means I may and will likely fail just to, just no judgment, right? It's just use it as a learning experience. If you fail, fall off the bandwagon, think about how you can adjust your system like Igor to plan better for your tendencies and try again next year. These are lifelong pursuits that we've had to kind of know ourselves and build plans that and systems that work to help us accomplish things. And they're all very different, right? Like I've got these quarterly waypoints. Robert's got these year-end reviews. Igor is going to outpace us all in Q2 and Q3. And it's beautiful. It's a, it's a uniquely personal thing. Couldn't agree more, especially after a really tough yeah, year. for sure. There's an inscription at the Oracle of Delphi, and it says, know thyself. And nothing's more important than that. So that's where I leave our listeners. It's also in the Matrix. There's a new Matrix coming out, Matrix 4. Did you see that? Matrix, you know, it was supposed to release last year. It was supposed to come out like summer 2020. Oh, really? So I'm late. And, I'm late um, to the game just so like always. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. There's a new Space Jam coming out as well with LeBron James. Excited about seeing that with the kids. Yeah. I guess maybe I'll have to show them like the first one. And then can we can we do a reaction the YouTube video for some of these films? <laughs> yeah. All right, we're on. <laughs> Let's do it. Just another way to not meet your goals. There you go. All right, y'all. Hey, it was really great seeing you today. It's crazy. The year's 10% over. Just That's started. crazy, right? I feel like we just said Happy New Year to each other. Yeah. Thanks so, for hanging out, guys. This was uh, great. Enjoy it as always. Have a great weekend. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com.